We have been working through the book of Colossians, <clears throat> and I know sometimes preachers joke about how long they're taking to get through a book, and sometimes people joke about that too and stuff like that. Folks, I, I'm not worried about it, and I hope you aren't either. You know, we're going to take this step by step, and uh, just a reminder that as we have gone through these different character qualities that we see in Colossians 3, um, some of them to put off, we're talking about the things to put on, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to the surrounding of that in just a moment, but we've read the passage many, many times, and so we're talking about uh, verse 12 there in particular, but I want to talk about the benefits of a patient spirit, and before we do that, I just want to note that we have been kind of going through a pattern uh, in, in regards to these different things, and, and that pattern is uh, how we examine what we are to put on uh, specifically. And so what we have done is with this pattern is we looked at a, a basic biblical understanding of, of what we are to be putting on, whether it be kindness, a compassionate heart, um, and, and in particular today, patience. Then we've looked at the character quality exhibited by God. Well, when we looked at humility, we could not find verses that were related to God himself, but the God-man, Jesus Christ, when he actually was on this earth, took on the form of flesh, there was a sense of humility in his life where he followed the will of the Father, where, where he gave deference to other people. It's just an amazing thought. But in every one of these other ones, we're created in God's image. And so we have these things in common with him, and this is part of his character. And then we saw some practical examples for each one of those things throughout the scriptures. And then along with that, we tried to make some, make some application. So that's basically the pattern that we're going to be following today. Sometimes the order is a little bit different or whatever. I gave you the slight exception there when it came to uh, God's character quality, it came to humility. God doesn't have to be humble, right? He knows who he is. There isn't anybody else that he has to give deference to. All right. He is the great and almighty one. And so as we move forward here, then let's talk about patience. What is patience or the word long suffering that we see in scripture a lot? I'm just going to be using those interchangeably. Uh, the, the meaning in the Greek, there's, and I'm going to give you some words today. And folks, you know, I've told you this before. I don't want to get bogged down into the, in the languages to the point where it's like, you know, we're checking out. OK, but sometimes it's important. There's, there's the word that's called macrothumia, and has two words to it. Macros, which means long, or thumas, which is fierceness, indignation, or wrath. Now, that might not sound very good. That might sound like someone's angry for a really long time. But when we combine these two words, it means to have a long temper or to have endurance when it comes to exhibiting our anger. So I want to point out that this patience is different from the word used to endure trials. That word is hupomeno, and it means to remain under, to bear under the weight of something. Okay, that's, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same thing. So rather than us just bearing under something, the word long-suffering or macrothumia means to go long, to outlast, all right? And sometimes we really have to exercise that, right? So we talked about anger and wrath, malice and harmful speech several weeks ago. 
These are the things that we are to put off. And it'd be easy to say that long-suffering is simply controlling our anger, right? It would follow that even if we're boiling with anger on the inside and we don't let it out, that we're being patient. And, and that is true. I want to be clear about that. That is true. That is one aspect of it. However, the word doesn't only mean that we stretch out the time until our anger shows. It also means that we take a long time before anger actually even appears in our hearts. Folks, that's a game changer. Imagine how it would transform our lives if we didn't just keep our frustrations under control, keep our irritations under control, but if we actually took significantly longer longer to get angry in the first place. How would your life look differently, right? How would the lives of those around you look differently? Now, long-suffering also means to outlast difficult situations with people. We don't give in to the flesh. Instead, we treat others properly and we do not retaliate. There's all kinds of situations that we can talk about. We may look at this a little more closely, but as we think about that word, that is the New Testament idea of this. And as we transition over into the long-suffering of God, uh, I want to talk about the Old Testament aspect of this as well. Uh, there's, the term long-suffering is used in the Old Testament, and it's actually a combination of two Hebrew words. Again, I mentioned to you, warned you, right, that we're going to talk about words here, Okay. But this one is kind of cool how these things operate. A simple word called af, A-P-H, is used almost 270 times in a variety of ways in the Old Testament. Um, It can even mean opposites. One example for our purposes is that it can mean both long-suffering and wrath, anger. It depends on how it's used. But af can also mean face. And so the connection here is the expression of our faces. Remember, a lot of these words, they came from very ancient languages. They started off very simply and then were applied in different ways. So when we think of off as in face, what does that communicate to you? Right? And so that's the idea here. But then there's a second word, which is um, arek. It means long, patient, or slow. It's used 15 times in the Old Testament, 10 of those times describing the Lord. It's only used twice apart from this other word, af, that's used so many times. So here's the point of this. When we're talking about long-suffering, we're looking at a combination of these two words, which when taken together are very similar to the New Testament, is that it takes a long time for us to show our anger. It takes us a long time to have that face come out. Right? And so 10 times this is speaking of the Lord, a couple of other times not, but every time these two words are together, except for just two off times. The point is this. This unique word is primarily used to talk about God's long-suffering. So how was it used? If you'll turn to Exodus chapter 34, 
We're looking here at the second time the Lord came to Moses to establish his covenant with Israel. He is up on the mount, Mount Sinai, for a second time. The first time he had been up on the mountain, God had given him the two tablets. And uh, when he came down and saw what the people were doing, he smashed those tablets to bits on the ground, right? But what we see here, and, and the reason for that is because how they were worshiping the golden calf and not worshiping the Lord as they should have been. And so in Exodus 34, the second time now, after that correction was made, God is reestablishing this covenant. And it says, verses 1 through 9, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and then Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. So here you go. The presence of God himself is now with Moses, right? And proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is God speaking here, folks. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in, the goodness, in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity of the transgression of sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I just want to stop real quick. We covered this a while back, but just a real quick snippet. This isn't saying that... that people are going to pay for sins for generations it's saying that if they continue in their sin that's what it's talking about okay so Mo, and by the way that is a tendency so moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped and then he said if now i have found grace in your sight o lord let my lord i pray go among us even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance beautiful prayer by the way but this is in response to God uh, proclaiming to him who he is. And, you know, the Lord talks about himself on occasion, but this is one of those times where there was no way to miss the fact that God described himself as what? As long-suffering. And many of these other character qualities, God said that I am patient. We see some other passages like this out of today's scripture reading. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I just wanted to show you, this is how those words are, are working together, right? <clears throat> in this psalm, we see forgiveness and grace. David also includes then that God is slow to anger. That's part of the grace of God. That he, he doesn't act upon for him, a very righteous anger, right? We, we deserve the punishment that we, we would get from him. But he's slow to his anger. He's not a reactive God. When we think of Israel's history, my goodness, time and time and time again, they were just a rebellious, even as Moses called them, a stiff-necked people at times. 
many times. And God was gracious. We're going to continue to see that because in Joel, the prophet Joel, this is someone that we've referenced before. It says this in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Right. That, that doesn't matter. An outward. Oh, I'm so sorry. That doesn't mean anything. It's a matter of repentance of the heart. So he says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. This comes at the heels of Joel announcing that judgment was coming. Again, because of a people that just had no regard for God. And yet there is this, 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 this open arms of the Lord outstretched saying, just come, just come and acknowledge me for who I am. Repent, you have not been keeping the covenant, and return to me. And again, part of this was made possible. A part of that is, because God is patient. And then not too long ago, we used the example of Jonah. Uh, happened to be about anger. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> and we see here in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, about his anger. But then it says something else about the Lord. It says, but it pleased Jonah exceedingly, displeased Jonah exceedingly, because God had spared Nineveh, had spared Israel's enemies, and he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. I, I went from Israel to Spain. I tried, right? For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Isn't that what Joel said, right? Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. It's, it's almost an echo. And yet here we're seeing that it goes beyond the bounds of God's chosen people to, at God's good pleasure, reaching to anybody. And here's Jonah, who thinks that Israel should have a special place, not just as God's chosen people, but as God's exclusive people. And how dare God show his grace to another group of people, especially those people. And he was angry with God. He was angry with God because God was patient. He was angry with God because God did not stretch out his hand and judge these people. Instead, he spared them. Wow. So even in Jonah's anger, he can't help but describe that God is long-suffering. So let's transition over to the New Testament. I want to talk about the long-suffering of Jesus Christ God the Son. Folks, here's the thing. We don't have chapter and verse where it says Jesus was long-suffering. Okay? We do have that in the Old Testament. But we do have many examples. And so I'm going to go through some of those. And I'm just going to tell you that I'm assuming that most of us are familiar with these things. I'm not going to give a lot of explanation for time. But I want to reference Christ. Jesus was patient in his relationship with his disciples. 
Think about how we would have responded to the disciples in a number of the situations that Jesus had with them. Would we have been so patient if adult Jewish men had asked us how to pray? Right? I mean, just think about that for a minute. Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Well, how old are you? You know how to pray? Right? Just something that simple. How would we have responded if the disciples kept fighting over who was Jesus' favorite? Folks, we sometimes lose it when the kids are trying to claim the same seat in the car. Right? How about the Last Supper? We understand that Jesus was fully aware of what he was about to face for us. What he was about to face for himself. No other person could have carried the emotional and spiritual weight that Jesus was carrying as he considered that in just a matter of day, of hours, he was going to be laying his life down and God was going to take the sin that Jesus paid for us and lay it on his son. Not a part of it, not some symbolic thing, but take the full penalty of every one of them. And as we think about that, of course, we are at our best at being patient when we're under the most pressure, right? That's when our patience shines, when we're in the crucible of life. I don't think so. Yet the Son of God laid laid aside his outer garments and washed the feet, the dirty feet of the disciples. He did that that night. He suffered along with their arguing and their ignorance. This is all at the Last Supper, folks. I'm talking about, you know, days before. I'm talking about hours before his death. Jesus patiently instructed them during the Last Supper and on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. There was this walking dialogue that took place. And he was patient with them even as they couldn't stay awake while he asked them to be at watch. He didn't lash out his disciples or even at the mob as he was taken away into custody. Jesus was also patient in hard situations with difficult people. We could name a lot, but think about the many interactions with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the lawyers. Constantly going back and forth with them. And yet he actually did many times answer their questions. He, he dialogued with them. Now, there were times when he talked very sternly with them as well. But I don't believe it was out of a selfish anger. His own family ridiculed him and thought he was crazy. Can you imagine the patience that Jesus needed to have to deal with them? They were embarrassed by him. Those who initially followed Jesus fell away, many of them. Think of the patience that Jesus would have had to have with them. Some had eaten the bread and fish he had miraculously provided for them. Some had seen some amazing miracles. But many of his initial followers argued with him once they understood what it really meant to follow him, and they left. Now, I believe that there may have been many that have, had come to know him again as Savior 
once he rose from the dead because there were thousands upon thousands that received Christ. But at the same time, there was this point when they had rejected him. How about when Mary and Martha questioned him and the mourners scoffed at him when he came to raise Lazarus? Here, he had traveled there. He knew exactly what was going to happen. The scriptures tell us that he even prayed, not for his own benefit, but so that others could hear his prayer. And the first thing he gets hit with is one of Lazarus' sisters saying, why weren't you here? You could have prevented this. And then he heard it again. And then when he went to go raise Lazarus from the dead, these mourners, many of whom are professional mourners, they would they would wail for your loved one and help along with the mourning, but I'm sure there were friends there as well that were truly sorrowful for Lazarus' passing. When they heard all this, they laughed. They thought he was nuts. Imagine the patience. Why didn't Jesus get frustrated and lose control? There are many times when Jesus did show anger. I'm not saying that it was often, but there are times recorded. But it was appropriately expressed in unique situations and not done, as I mentioned before, out of selfishness. And folks, I don't know how all this operates together, but I just want to leave you with this. There might be a time when you get frustrated with your kids and you say, hey, come over here, get close to me. I don't want you to get run over by a car, right? Folks, I'm, I'm not trying to confuse you and say somehow you're living in sin, okay? You got to make your point sometimes. But we know the difference between a selfish wrath and, and hostile malice words, right? And having to be firm about something. So I want to bring us back to why and how Jesus did everything. Jesus lived to do the will of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what we are supposed to do, which is why we say we need to follow Christ. Christ never lost, lost his focus on doing God's will. And folks, that is an essential lesson for us, even in this area of long-suffering, this area of patience. So then what are the practical benefits of long-suffering? Patience or long-suffering appears in Colossians and appears in a number of other lists. And I mentioned to you that we were going to briefly look at this, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, right, based upon the salvation that God has given to us, based upon our standing in Christ, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. I, I, I'm imploring you to walk, to live, worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And then, the fruit of the Spirit. This is a part of the list, but it says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. That, that long fuse, that long suffering, that ability to be able to not get angry. 
is a fruit, is a product of leading a spirit-led life. Exactly what Jesus did. Right? So long-suffering is a part of this package. It's a part of a proper heart attitude or mindset. And it's also a proper response to the situations of life. Therefore, the assumption is that we will deal with situations, right? If we're told this is how we're to act and this is how we're not to act, this is what we're to put on, this is what we're to put off, then we're going to face some of these things. It may be that we're tempted to react from the inside. Some element of our pride is tweaked by what someone says or does. We may feel our status could take a hit. Maybe we're concerned uh, our idea or our point of view won't win out. And so we start to get irritated. We start to get angry. They're not doing things the way that I would like them to be done. It may be that we're provoked by another person's actions. Someone else is acting or responding in a sinful way. Someone has offended us in some way. And folks, not just, oh, I'm offended, right? But I mean, they have really hurt you. Or they have offended you in some way. It's not, it's not for uh, debate. It actually did happen. The question is, will we outlast the situation? Will we outlast it? Do we have that long-suffering spirit? We can either exercise our patience so we avoid anger altogether, or be patient in order to keep our anger in check. Either way, that's those two aspects of long-suffering. And we're talking about the benefits of that. What better way to do that than to look in the book of Proverbs to look at some wisdom literature? And by the way, I think it's three out of four, maybe four out of four of these Proverbs we're going to look at all have that. They're the, they're the, um, the references that use the same long-suffering that is used for the Lord, that double word that I was telling you. So it's kind of interesting. Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Some of these are hard to hear. So those who are long-suffering are considered to have a great understanding. This is a very powerful statement when we're saying this is coming out of a book that is all about wisdom, right? I mean, this this is like, bam, a, a, a highlight passage about wisdom that is in a whole book about wisdom. Notice that according to the scriptures, the one with the greatest understanding isn't the one with the most knowledge. I'm not saying knowledge is bad, but we might know a lot. But if we've got a temper, the scripture says we don't have any understanding. We really don't have any wisdom. Proverbs 19.11 the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. A little bit different aspect to this. A person who uses good judgment and responsibility is slow to anger, but he would also overlook an offense. Remember, one of the things you talked about is you might truly have been offended, right? Uh, I want to talk to the young people for a minute. Look, all of us who, uh, who have some age on us can remember what it was like to be young. 
when, you, when people are asked, do you want to go back to high school, right, just as an example, people are like, no. <laughs> Why? Because it's a meat grinder. Some of the things that we can say and do to one another, right, because we're not, and again, I'm not trying to offend you guys, okay, but you're not mature yet. You're not expected to be that mature yet. But yet at the same time, man, you get picked on and picked on for every little thing, right? And of course, we can do some of the picking too. And if we're honest, sometimes we're picking so that we're not getting picked. All right? So we can be offended. We can't lash out at a situation that will simply, that we simply, I'm sorry. We can't lash out at a situation, but instead, we need to overlook it. We need to sidestep it through long-suffering. That's hard to do, folks. That is hard to do. And sometimes, frankly, we just need to be reminded that this is an option. It's an option. We can just opt out. We don't have to be concerned about it. We don't have to stay engaged. We can just simply say, I'm over this. What else did the Proverbs say to us? A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger, quiets contention. Quiets contention. Um, a patient or long-suffering person eases tension. Now, there's a relatively famous meme that's out there. And if you don't know what a meme is, I can't help you. No, just kidding. It's, 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 a, it's a snippet. It's a little picture, usually with a saying, that kind of just is that punchy little thing that, that people post these days on social media, different things like that. So one of, one of my favorites is there, there's two monkeys that have kind of um, faced off. And there's another monkey that is going to participate in that conversation. So it goes like this. Me about to make a bad situation worse by injecting some ill-timed humor. Okay? Now we laugh at that, but let me just throw this in there. Me about to make a bad situation worse by injecting some selfish wrath and harmful speech. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I do like this, this meme. So again, I'll ask the young people, are there ever different disagreements when you're playing a game? Whether it be Soccer or going out in the Gaga pit or online playing video games. How about when trash talking really becomes trash talking, right? Joking around a little bit is one thing, you know. But, man, when it gets personal, when it gets angry. Adults, not that those things don't affect you either, but have you ever had a heated disagreement at work? Do any arguments maybe break out at the shop? How about at home? Do any of these things ever happen in the church? <gasps> so what about your part in this? Do you like to stir things up to see what happens? Do you like to throw grenades or calm nerves? What an opportunity that we have to show Christ to the world to avoid what we're seeing pictured here, right? of getting all hot and angry and lashing out at other people. But let me also say this. 
There's also an opportunity to be like Jesus at home and at church. A lot of times we like to think of, oh, yes, we got to be good before the unsaved world. (laughs) Not arguing with that. That does not excuse the fact that we need to be patient at home. And that includes being someone who, through long-suffering, diffuses situations. We have the ability to do that. So how will this look or work on a daily living basis? First off, the question that we really are asking ourselves is, how do I stay with one kind of face, one kind of long-suffering, right, and not have that other face show up, right? How do I present myself from, prevent myself from losing control and having our anger and frustration take over our spirit? So I want to use the analogy here of, of driving a car, like living the Christian life. And I do thank Genoa Classic Cars for the, uh, pic- most of the pictures that I'm going to have on the uh, slide here. I received no compensation for the use of their pictures. I just want you to know that. But I'm willing to take some. No, just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> now, I, I want to be careful. I want to take our, our, our um, analogy too far here, okay? But as we drive in our daily living, right, we look through the windshield and we use the steering wheel to keep ourselves on the road. Now, this is not the same car, all right? So as we're motoring down the road, as we're motoring down life, right, we, we have some abilities to, to, to steer where we're headed, and we watch out for where we are headed. So what do we do if we're driving, if we see danger or something that might get in our way, right? Our first reaction is we apply the brakes, Right? Here's the thing. The difference between driving, literal driving, and the Christian life is that when we put the brakes on, we stop moving forward. We tend then to step out of our Christian life, so to speak, step out of the car, and we give full voice to our frustrations and irritations. Much like if somebody cut us off, we slam on the brakes, we get out of our car, got me all right right well kind of think of that in our christian life i've been offended i'm going to stop and i'm going to let you know that this can also happen when we just roll our window down and stick our face out and do the same thing right but instead again work with me here We need to stay on the accelerator. Now, again, I don't want us to overthink our illustration here. How fast should we go? What does the engine stand for? What about the rearview mirror? <laughs> it's just a simple illustration. Okay? So hang with me. Long-suffering, patience, keeps us steadily moving forward and keeps us in control. It can only apply, it can also apply to any of the virtues that we have been talking about. We should continue to have a compassionate heart. We should keep on being kind, right? 
But this is why our example fits perfectly with patience. I hope we have seen the benefits of salvation this morning. I hope we have seen the benefits of long-suffering in relation to that. So, folks, it's like this. We just steadily stay on doing what we're doing because we're moving down the road of life. We're living our Christian life. The scriptures talk about right conversation, right? That actually means living. Walking means living, both those things. So I'm just using the example of driving, living. We're moving forward. It's when we slam on the brakes that we get into trouble because we've stopped. We've stopped, particularly with our patience. Instead, we stay steady, applying, applying the word of God to the situation, regardless of what it is. That selfishness does not exert itself. We don't have to put somebody in their place. We don't have to make sure that, that all of our you know, uh, reputation, everything is all understood by everybody that, that, you know, we're as pure as the wind-driven snow, that we're right, whatever it might be, right? All those things, uh, just to kind of put the analogy a little further, are kept in the trunk, and we just keep moving forward. Don't drive angry, just drive, Right? Part of God giving us salvation is based upon his long-suffering. We will benefit others and ourselves as we exercise an enduring patience. Folks, it's going to take some work. It really is. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to take some thoughts down and wrestle them down and just get them under control. We're going to have to see the situation for how God wants to see the situation. Yes, we want to be salt and light. We want to have a good reputation before people, including how we treat them when it comes to being patient, having that long fuse. But again, it's not just for the unsaved. It's for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's for our immediate family. It's for our extended family. It's for all those around us. And again, I just want you to, I'm going to ask the question, Regardless of your age, how much better, not would your relationships be, but will your relationships be as you make proper application of being patient? Of either just not getting angry or things that don't matter, or even when we're in some of the worst situations of life, we gut it out. We keep ourselves under control. And we have that long fuse. Because through that, we can even take times to diminish tension. To actually solve problems. Or to simply overlook the offense. Any number of ways we can look at it, we've tried to do that. But folks, how would your life be benefited? How about your tension level? Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, ultimately, 
as we've talked about before, this really is a matter of obedience, and this is a matter of bringing glory to you. But this is a positive thing that we can do. And I pray, Lord, that we see not just, oh, it's a psychologically wonderful thing. Again, it's an obedience thing. It's a way that we can bring glory to you. Lord, I pray that we would really resist the urge to look back on our lives and say, man, I blew it here, I blew it there, I've, I've got this issue, I've got this person. You know, we, we're, we're all there in different, different levels. But instead, Lord, as we've thought about that putting off, may we actively put on patience. Actively put on long-suffering. For the glory of Jesus Christ, amen.